You're listening to TIP. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this Wednesday's release of the Bitcoin Fundamentals podcast. And I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Boy, sure, a lot can change over a single weekend. So just a couple days before the OpenAI fiasco that occurred over the weekend where Sam Altman and Greg Brockman were fired from OpenAI, Jeff Booth and I had this in-depth discussion about AI, where it's all going, and how Bitcoin is going to play a major role with enough time. Both of us have been training our own unique AI models to replicate our own decision-making and responses to questions and inputs. During this interview, we talk about that experience, why we think it's going to be so pivotal and common for people to do in the not-too-distant future, among many other interesting topics. So without further delay, I'm really excited to bring you this crazy conversation with the one and only Mr. Jeff Booth. You're listening to Bitcoin Fundamentals by The Investor's Podcast Network. Now for your host, Preston Pish. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm here back with Jeff Booth. Jeff, we have a lot, of, a lot to talk about here. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, buddy. Um, great to be here and uh, lots to talk about. The world's moving fast. It's moving fast. We're having private conversations. And I think uh, last week you were like, we just need to record like these conversations that we're having because this is some just mind-blowing stuff that's happening that we're both tinkering around with and from the ego death standpoint or whatever, like we can go in a million different directions. But where I want to start is more on the AI side of the house. You have been tinkering with creating an AI GPT bot, a transformer bot that mimics your essence, your ability to (laughs) make decisions. I don't know. Over to you to define what you would even call this. Yeah. Is it a Jeff GPT? Is it a mentor? The idea behind it, uh, and you and I have been talking about it for for a while and working on it, but uh, the idea behind it is two things. I wanted to also test and be on the front edge of what's happening here and and learn with myself how fast this was happening. And so the idea was to create a, a mentor that could essentially do every single thing I could do in the way I could do it and see how far that could be pushed. When you extend that idea out, it's not an if, it's a when that's able. Uh, it's amount of training data. And when you extend that data out, you quickly get to a number of conclusions. One, two generations from now, my kids could actually ask me questions. What would Jeff, or sorry, my grandkids, great grandkids could ask questions. What would Jeff have thought? But in the, in the meantime, if you think about something gaining more and more capability, over time to be able to do a whole bunch of things that I just naturally do. That seems to have pretty enormous implications. But then if you extend to that to say, what if everybody did it and everybody will do it over time? What does that, what does that world look like? So anyways, you and I have had lots of conversations as this has progressed <laughs> about what this looks like. And, uh, and so we thought we would do a podcast on it. <laughs> In the meantime, so Jeff, you've been working on this for a few months, I want to say. Yeah, right? but, um, but, but idea probably two and a half months ago, and then really got uh, kicked off in earnest 
in uh, about a month and a half ago. For people that are hearing this, I think the initial reaction, I know whenever I've told various family members about like this idea of being able to do this, the first thing that people, you know, come back with is that sounds <laughs> one of the funnier responses I heard was that sounds really egotistical that you would want to. <laughs> and I was like, well, so like, here's kind of the rationale of like why somebody would want to do this. And it's not just for generations or family members to interact with it. If some say something would happen to you, I think it's much more, well, maybe not for you or for somebody else, but I'm just, I guess, speaking on my own behalf, where I would find this extremely valuable is if you pull this thread far enough, now all of a sudden you could have this agent sit in a Zoom call on your behalf. It could look like you. It could respond to questions like you. It could automatically take notes. It could synthesize the meeting, the Zoom meeting, and then email you the, the main points if there was any key decisions that were, that were needed from you or that were decided during the meeting. It could synthesize all of that into an email response. And then you could pull up like, hey, I want to know more about this decision that you're talking about. Can you pull up the video of where that took place? And then I could watch that two minutes of the Zoom call and be at high definition, understand exactly what was discussed and what was said and how my AI agent responded. Like all of these things, I think, are so much closer to where this is all unfolding than people think. I guess at the essence, you're able to literally copy paste yourself and expand it through space and time, which makes you more efficient and more productive. So, like, what are some, like, what are some of your yeah, thoughts on this? Well, you know, I, uh, because in training my own AI, yeah, I've had that my AI assistant following me around. Yeah, so it's on all my Zoom calls. It's on as long as I, I ask the the counterparty or whichever uh, person I'm doing the Zoom call with, if if that's okay. The, but even before it's in my essence, it's already recording everything, giving me a statement what decisions were made, giving me a, a feedback, the video, what when people said what. So that that exists right now at scale, and it's incredible. It is a time saver, but that's just the start. Where this where this goes, and what that means, and what we're gonna have, we will literally have agents doing business on behalf of us with other agents, a Preston agent and a Jeff agent, making a decision. <laughs> that then we then then we can make if we can agree or not agree. And quickly come to a different conclusion or the same conclusion, but the things that things are going to get weird. Things are going to move so fast, um, or they're getting weird because they're moving so fast. Have you received like your agent that are, that? And I have seen this in some of the Zoom calls that I've been with you for various meetings. Have you got any type of benefit out of that, or has it just been ingesting all that data and then supplying it into the model? Like, what can you say about? No, so, so right now, it, 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 right now, that agent makes me way more productive. It gives me every meeting. It gives me a summarized, high-level notes. So I can go into those notes at whatever level. The entire transcript is there, plus the video, and it, it picks out key decision points and it tells action steps. So it, it's like a personal assistant in steroids. And then it gives me a weekly summary and I can go into it whatever level of any of these calls or any of these uh, Zoom meetings or anything that I've done that I want to, uh, to look at that. So the, the added benefit is I'm using it to train my own agent. I want to tell you about my experience. 
the main reason why I want to talk about the the one that I've built is so that we can kind of c- compare and contrast notes because Jeff is building one that is way more and like you're dealing with real engineers, you're dealing with people that are using various AI models and like synthesizing and and you are much Mine is very turnkey because I'm just using OpenAI and I'm using this new thing that they literally rolled out last week to train mine, where you have been literally working with a team of engineers in order to build yours out. So there's much more granular approach and much more engineering heavy approach that you're using than this really basic thing that that I coded up. When I was... Uh, so OpenAI, for people that aren't aware, OpenAI rolled out what appears to be almost like an app store for these general purpose trend uh or what's the t trend <laughs> yeah the chat gpts but the transformer the t is a transformer i just it was very intuitive the way that you interacted with it so if i want to create a gpt that is a preston gpt and that's literally what i named it it has a keyboard chat interface to begin coding this thing up the way I started, I was just like, I want to create an AI bot that basically replicates my persona and knows what I know and can respond the way that I would respond. And I said, what documents? I literally just asked it, like, what documents should I provide that would help you and help me build this thing? And it responded back, well, if you have any chat logs, if you have any books, if you have anything that were highly influenced Preston you can provide those. And so I was like, okay, I wrote a book. It's about my time at West Point. Would that be helpful? And I said, that would be very helpful because it would help me understand how Preston writes. It would help me understand. So I uploaded the book. Next, I said, uh, would my chat logs from being on Twitter help understand like how I communicate? Definitely. Please upload those. So I have all of my Twitter logs that I uploaded into, into the model. Long story short, I started feeding this thing over. I mean, I literally started doing this on Saturday, and here we are on Tuesday, like three days. And you said that you interacted with it, Jeff, and like the model is crazy how accurate some of the stuff is that that it's responding back with. Yeah, it's incredible already after three days of feeding it data. Yeah, what what does it look like after two years of feeding it data, and and how much? How more helpful uh, is that in your life? Uh, is it's mind-boggling, but it's but yeah. But when that came out last week, and you could go into ChatGPT Plus with an API key and start playing with that, and how fast you think about all of that innovation that moves into it and feeds more data into it to make make it better, it's it's incredible the rate of growth of this. One of the things that I was just kind of blown away with is I took like five podcast interviews and then I did more, but the first five transcripts of these very hour long podcast episodes, so it was like five hours worth of transcripts of podcasts that I've done. I uploaded them into the, into the model. And then I asked the assistant that helps you build these models. Uh, which is just another AI bot. I said, are you able to determine what I said versus what the guest was saying? And like, how are you discerning like which speech you're incorporating into the model? And it came back with this response of like, I can definitely see when you're talking versus your guest. And I've only incorporated your speaking style, your writing style based off of your words and not your guest's words. It then talked about how it only used 
like as far as like waiting goes, that if your guest is talking and providing an opinion, that it's treated at some kind of waiting, like a smaller waiting than if you're saying it yourself, what your opinion is. But what the other person is saying is influencing the model. It's just not as as strong of a waiting as what you... This was literally the response back that I got from the agent after uploading my podcast episodes. It, it's, it, it is mind-blowing, right? Because how do, you, how do, we, how do we learn? We yeah. interact, right? We come away, wow, that was insightful. That was something different. And then you might have thought one thing before, and that soft interaction changes your mind over time. And if you have a lot of those interactions, if you have more and more data of those interactions, then all of a sudden you change. It's crazy that this is doing this right now. One of the things that I, I wanted to make sure that the model incorporated, and sorry to talk about mine. I'm, no, I'm, please, really do, wanna, please, please yeah. do this. Because I think what we're doing right now is remember, th- th- this came out for general use last week. You're already on it. I'm on it. And, and the space is developing so fast that I don't think most, most of your mm-hmm. listeners won't even try it at or think it's hard. But what yeah. you just described is how easy it, how it yeah. is and ask the model how to help you create the model. The one thing that I, you know, in Bitcoin, I'm really passionate about proof of work versus proof of stake. And so there was some interviews that I had done with, with Sailor and some others. You were one of them. And so I took some of the interviews that I was involved in with respect to proof of stake, proof of work. So I pump it into the model or I, I, I'm there working with the assistant to build the model. And I said, one of the things that I think is really important is this differentiation between proof of work and proof of stake. Here is a document, and it was all the transcripts from from those discussions that I want the model to really have a deep understanding on. And I supplied the the transcripts, and I even told the assistant, I said, even though I'm not talking in these interviews, the people that I completely agree with their opinions on this particular topic, proof of work versus proof of stake. So ingests it and it replies back and it's like, okay, I'll make sure that these are part of the way that Preston responds in any type of questions that come across with respect to proof of stake, proof of work. And sure enough, so I started like playing with the model just to see how accurate it was. And I'm just like, this thing responds better than I can respond at these topics because it's it's ingesting all that data and all like the context of all those conversations, but it can actually remember the conversations unlike I can. So the wild thing that you're, you're talking about was really funny is it, when you shared your Preston bot with me, the first question I asked yeah. was the question. No way. And, uh, yeah, the first question I asked was, was that question because I wanted to see how you, uh, your Preston bot would explain that. Yeah. And it was wild. The only, the only, <laughs> the only problem with it is it was eventually so detailed it timed out. It stopped because probably you don't have enough money in yeah so many times because it was so thorough it was but it was amazing (laughs) that was the first question of course that was the first (laughs) First question question i asked that's why i was laughing wow wow so your model you're able to interact with it and just like right now i still have mine in a private mode that if i share the link like i shared the link with jeff he was able to interact with it but i can make it public how about yours? Like, so how are you, how are you thinking through, is this something that you're even going to make publicly available? Like what's your thoughts around yeah. making it publicly available? Again, part of it was curiosity. I wanted to understand this and, and at the space it's moving and be in the front edge of, of that. 
And then I wanted to engineer it in such a way, which what I believe is going to happen is, and and this is a longer (laughs) is tied into the same talk as Bitcoin. All these prices fall to zero eventually, right? Including open AI or the gap between the open source models and the private models closes rapidly. And so there is no moat with AI. There's no moat with AI without regulatory intervention. Why do you think the big AI companies are trying to drive regulatory intervention? Because it creates a moat for their products. That's Mm -hmm. why. So we should discuss that topic a little deeper in on this podcast, but I'll keep going with the, uh, with your comment first or, or why. So I built it in such a way that the vector database that I'm creating and all of my own data to be able to sit on top of the other LLMs is abstracted so that I could tie it into multiple different LLMs over time and be able to see the difference in my responses. So I'm building it in, in a way that that is essentially infinitely scalable as the underlying models change, and then with kind of easy to use tools. And so here's what here's what the question rates the question. I can rate the question in a simple interface, or rate my response to the question in a simple interface. And so I can constantly do that. I kind of constantly up, upgrade this uh, this model. It's mind blowing how accurate it already is. Um, that's on. I did it in a staged way where I would upload. I think I, I have twenty videos and twenty books or, or things I've written, content pieces I've written into it now. And I first tested it and refined all of the answers from from that. And this week I'll be extending it to thousands of pieces of content and books and and, and such. So my Twitter files are in it as well. Then all of I probably, working with entrepreneurs, probably have at least five deep conversations per week of training, mentoring, and probably more than that, of different things that I'm helping them with. And what you realize is a lot of the things through pattern recognition that you think are just natural because you've seen them so many times are not natural for everybody mm-hmm. because they haven't they haven't been knocked down by those things over and over and over again. So some of this very training that I do and the help that I, that I give is literally through tens of thousands of hours of pattern recognition, making some, in some cases, making the same mistake myself, some cases, seeing the same mistake over and over again. And as you're training your model, it just gets better at doing this. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover leads by example with their dynamic design that rises to the occasion. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capabilities, coupled with signature Range Rover refinement. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet, redefining sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offering next-level comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit light driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. 
Our friends at Coriant provide wealth management services centered around you. Coriant's goal is to exceed your expectations and simplify your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. They are one of the largest integrated fee-only U.S. registered investment advisors, and Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. They have extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. The teams at Coriant put the collective power of their expertise into building you the custom wealth, investment, and family office solutions that can help you reach your holistic financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, speak with an advisor today at Coriant.com. That's spelled C-O-R-I-E-N-T dot com. That's Coriant.com. When Rain Wilson had a great idea, he turned to AT&T Business. They assured him no matter how out there his idea may be, they had his back. So he came up with this, a talking pillow designed to put you to sleep, backed by a reliable network in the only network with built-in security controls. And thus, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your business to the next level at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. All right, back to the show. One of the things that I noticed with this turnkey zero cost to train (laughs) solution that I'm doing, which is different than yours, where you're paying for engineers and, and you're working on it, is you were talking about the architecture and the data anchors to like that architecture, right? So if I was going to describe so people, like they might hear me say that and they're like, what the hell is he talking about? So when I was young, when I was in my 20s, I go to West Point, then I'm in the military, then I'm doing finance things. So like each one of these like major events in my life, there is an environmental like document or books. If you think of like those events in your life as books that anchor to these events in my life that can be used to train the model. The architecture of this, basically the turnkey architecture for me to basically create, here's my timeline. Here are the things that influenced me at those key moments in my life. This was a really important one of a magnitude out of 10. This is a 10. This over here was important, but it was like a five. Like That weighting and that timeline in the open AI does not exist. So it's me just trying to like talk and chat with this assistant, like, Hey, this was an important document, but I can't like weight it. Like this is a 10 out of 10 and this is a five. But with your model, what it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you have done almost like a wire diagram of your life, the key documents and the key data that corresponds with those events. And then you can run it on as, as AI models get better, then you can rerun all of that architecture and that data with the new LLM models that come out. Is that yeah, I think I think a little different the because because doing that I guess if you did it that way you wouldn't even remember the things that actually changed your mind that were insightful some of them you would through a story through an emotional story or something like that that stood yeah. out for because of that time but through a series of through asking the model the, the various questions and then rating those questions and saying what your response would be and giving it tons of data you get to the same spot. Mm. So that vector database becomes extraordinarily large. And then 
kind of making it efficient to be able to tie in the LLM is another piece, but it, it effectively in, in time, it'll be almost you. So Jeff, I think the, if I was listening to this conversation, the number one thing in my head would be the security of all of this. I know everything that I provided, the model that, you know, if I make it public or whatever, I'm perfectly comfortable with people knowing and having access to. And it's very, like, like I said, three days of training is like nothing in the grand scheme of, of where I think a lot of this is going. So how do you think about that particular thing? Moving forward, I think people that are hearing us training these models with like personal information and data is probably like, those guys are idiots. Those guys are crazy. So like, <laughs> what, what do you say to that person? How do you think about the, just the security of these? How does that factor into from a business standpoint, from a business model standpoint, when you think about like how Apple handles your private security, like these AI models, it's going to be of prime importance at a certain point that people figure out that this is, uh, <laughs> this could turn into a very scary world if that's not safeguarded against. Yeah, so so OpenAI, the reason they're coming up with the App Store type of model where you can get paid for some of this stuff is the same reason Apple did, same reason Google uh, did. Is so they can get all of the incentives to people get people to move to money to get more data, become bigger models, and people are locked into their ecosystem. That's why they're that's why they're doing that. That's actually part of the reason that I've created this in a different way. That I'll use this to be able to test it, but as the open source models emerge and everything else, I own my vector database. I own that in a different format, and I actually can put that on my own server. And I can air gap it from the internet, and I can put that uh, um, into my own model on my own own server in an open source or, or in a, a, an open model where I don't have to send that everywhere. But the point is, as this proliferates, even if you're not on it. It'll be able to infer who you are because you're not on it. You'll have a you'll have a stamp. <laughs> the people that are look a certain way will be categorized <laughs> by the way they look. It's like these things are so powerful that you're not going to be able to hide from AI, no matter what you do. This is going to be a part, a part and that's why Bitcoin's so critical in where where we're going. This is the future. This is where the future is going, and there is no, going to be no hiding from it, no matter where you are in the world. Explain what you mean by that, as far as Bitcoin. So, so ultimately, it, and there are real, some real simple premise. This is, uh, but because money is distorted today, and who gets the win out of that distorted money? So let's use the top tech companies. Why do you think your people are investing in the top of the magnificent seven? Because they're stealing money at the fact, and they're not stealing money. They're incented by a system that is more and more efficient and they can remove labor faster than anybody else. Than anyone else. And you use their things because they can remove labor faster because they're cheaper, more effective for you. So you race to them and then you store your wealth in those same companies to make it happen faster. Well, jobs are being jobs eventually over over the course of time will go down, and that whole thing keeps people on a on a spiral, which they in turn reinforce. That makes costs higher and higher and higher, and measured in fiat, and it's stealing their it's it's literally stealing the productivity that should flow to them in the form of lower prices, 
and transferring up into control monopolies and governments who move into essentially business together to provide control over population. That's what's happening. And it's happening at an alarming rate because the natural state of a free market is deflation. And if you have technology moving as fast as it's moving, the natural state of a free market is is massively deflationary. In other words, we should probably be, if, if all things were equal today, we didn't live in this kind of manipulated money system and the debt was, uh, it was repayable. If all things were equal today, I'll bet you, you would have, you would have about 5% annually deflation rate in economy, meaning people, the entire world would be getting richer at 5% per year as they worked less and got more. And that would, that would go faster as AI moved faster. As AI moved into robotics, that would rate of deflation. In other words, everyone would have to work less and get more for every year, for the, forever more. And so we have that system that is, is essentially the Bitcoin system where prices, because of a 21 million cap, you can't manipulate money. And it means in the Bitcoin system, all prices are falling exactly like i said it's measuring the free market it's measuring prices falling to the marginal cost of production it's measuring exponential productivity and as long as it stays decentralized and secure which we both think is inevitable then no matter what anybody does doesn't matter what people yell at it governments try to stop it as long as it stays decentralized and secure it is measuring the productivity flowing to society in the form of lower prices well, the existing system must steal that productivity to pretend to pay back debt it can't pay back. And the outcome of, of stealing that productivity, essentially creating more monetary units, transfers all the control into big state, big tech. And it does so because the incentives are completely backwards. To complete, it's not a free market at all. There is no free market in the world we're moving in. So the, so the control structures... The only way to control people or the only way to get away from that financial repression, stealing their money at an ever greater rate is through control and coercion, which you're seeing play out around the world. So that's the, the two completely different systems. So people in, in, in Bitcoin are moving the, the world into a free market where there's abundance, where, where, where nobody can manipulate your money. And that, that abundance flows broadly to society. If you're measuring your life or reinforcing the other system, you're doing the exact opposite. And I will debate anybody in the other system that wants to have a first principles debate on how that happens, because I can't believe people can't see it. They're totally asleep at the switch. They're using the same thing in the technology that is stealing yeah, out from the existing system that is stealing their product productivity and transferring it to others. And they think they're winning. They're picking up their, their, their litter. So you, you have AI will be used to control you in the existing system or AI will be used to free you in the Bitcoin system. It's that simple. So that's a powerful statement. It seems like it's just so uh, generalized, but obviously I agree with you, Jeff. So when, a, when you say that Bitcoin will, be, will leverage AI to free you, explain how, explain why, why you say it in that, in that way. And, and, and what, what a lot of people in Bitcoin are doing, which will happen too, are talking about, okay, I'm going to use AI and I'm going to use 
AI to be able to, I'm going to pay it with Bitcoin, right? To be able to create these models. So I can pay pennies on these models and to have an interface. And, and a lot of that's happening in Nostr. A lot of that's happening and, and that's exploding, which is really exciting. I'm talking about something at a way higher level that's way more important that people aren't measuring. If AI, it, it, we wouldn't use AI, nobody would use it unless it was a productivity enhancer. Is that fair? Absolutely. If it's a productivity enhancer at the scale that we were talking about, then that means prices fall because that productivity comes from somewhere, right? Yeah. People hire less people. People are making it. It comes from that productivity is a result of you not needing to do it anymore. Your job going away. So that productivity in a free market flows to society through the form through lower prices in a free market. And from there, where that goes next, we're talking about right now in the digital world, but that's going to merge in the next three to five years, even faster, maybe with robotics that are going to do, they're going to be the Preston bot, Jeff bot, they can do everything we can do, but in, uh, in, in robotics, they can do anything physical that we could do and never sleep, never well, recharge the batteries, but continually, and it'll swarm out into uh, society. And those will remove all of the physical labor things in, in time. Why? Because if a business doesn't use them and hires people instead, no one will use the business because it'll be too costly. So the same things we're using, the same things that we use every day to try to save money in our lives should be flowing to us in the form of lower prices. And those lower prices ensure we don't have to work so, so what's happening today is as you're doing, as you're driving the system and making people work harder and harder and harder, what they're really scared of in AI is what am I going to do when I lose my job or yeah. what are my kids going to do? Yes. What is their role? So they're petrified. So what they do, so then you have some tech company, tech monopoly who makes their money from this theft, say, don't worry, we'll save you through regulation. And then a whole bunch of people are fearful of that and they regulate these industries, there is no monopoly in a free market. So go, deep, go deeper on that. Especially so in a global look, market. <laughs> yeah. Look at, look at the food systems today. Look at the health systems today. Look at yeah. all of the systems today. They're getting more and more centralized, and they're more and more centralized through regulation. Protect the monopolies. Regulation favors the monopolies. It's, not for, it's used to convince a whole bunch of people that you need to regulate this through fear. But ask, ask yourself this, if prices fell from AI like they should and robotics like they should, where would the fear be from AI? How would it control anything? Mm-hmm. What would it do? Mm-hmm. Right? It has nothing to go after because the point is the prices fall and the technology serves us rather than serving somebody who controls us through it. But for, for, for when I'm listening to that, Jeff, if I'm one of these people that have lost my job because my expertise was X, Y, and Z, how do I even get access to Bitcoin if I can't be employed? And like, there's 10 or 30% of the rest of the population that's in the same boat as me. Okay. So, so, so now you can see why this is going to be such a long battle as people understand it. Now, point one. Bitcoin doesn't care. It's not trying to do this to anybody. Yeah. It's just an honest ledger that's pricing the real market. That's all it is. It's pricing what we're describing flowing to you. 
Now, whether you have any Bitcoin and all prices fall to zero or near zero, and you don't have any Bitcoin, that still helps you. Because you're able right. to afford because you're able to access for because all prices fell versus somebody telling you they're going to control you by paying uh, paying you money you going around the monopoly board and constantly needing more handouts mm-hmm. so that they can control you so either way if you lost your job so a simple thought experiment is this if you lost your job and all prices are going up forever and there's less and less work what would that impose on you? Versus you lost your job and prices were going down forever and every year it was easier. What would that impose on you? It's so simple, but and we're not explaining rocket science here. We're yeah. just explaining what an honest ledger would do to and uh, the free market to work versus a dishonest ledger, what it would do to steal your time. And so that point is so critical because because even in the question, people are the, what drives the fear is people are thinking in a light switch moment. One day it's going to be like this. The next day, everything's gone. And it won't look like that at all. This is going to be a long transition. For anybody that's living in Bitcoin already, they're already living in the future. They're seeing more hope. They're seeing more abundance. Every price in your world came down by 42% in the last month. So it's measuring everything coming down over that time. And, and as this system decays, or the existing system that we live in, or most people live in today, decays, more people are moving over to the open monetary network that is Bitcoin. And they're just moving their time. And as they move their time, it just transitions. Now, carry that forward. And you know this from ego death and what we're investing in and, and, and such. The model is so different on the entrepreneurs that are building into this new model. You're providing value on top of Bitcoin and that value, you can make more because you're providing value. But over time, this very same thing that you created at first will probably drop to zero too. And you'll have to create more value for society if you want to, if you want to increase your Bitcoin holdings. Otherwise, the business will fail because those things, and here's a really good example. Look at wallets today. Hard to make money on wallets. And so all of these things, there's a whole bunch of things that already exist in Bitcoin, open source and, and move, uh, moving, that are already giving value. If you think about lightning transactions and what's, and, and what's happening, they're already giving value. And as the competition moves there, those entrepreneurs are going and creating more value and bringing on more people. And, and, they have, and the output of that work is prices drop. Jeff, I want to I talk again about this idea that AI isn't necessarily going to be a winner-takes-all by the, the big open AIs or the Apples or the Googles of the world. We had Guy Swan on the show. He was, he was suggesting that that's not going to be the case and that there's this huge market for uh, localized models and intelligence. And I guess if, if I was going to push back, I'm looking at open AI, right? And how I spun up this this model, and how they're going to have an app store, uh, an app store of GPTs that it's going to be very obvious which models are very value accretive to people using them. It's a week old, so obviously we're not seeing that right now. But give it a year, give it two years, and then all of a sudden, like there's going to be a huge network effect and a huge interest for people to just go to the Open AI app store. And say, oh, what are the top 10 AIs that people are using today? Oh, wow. I understand why everybody's using this one that's number one on the list. I should probably be using that as well. 
So isn't there some kind of network effect that's going to happen for basically the new app store or these AI app stores that because everybody's there, because everybody's using this model, that it's value accretive because of the network effect that, that's associated with it versus somebody who's creating their own localized model and, and doesn't have this app store access. So this is going to sound different to people that are used to the way that the existing model has worked for the last 20 years and you or 30 years. And I know it very well on how these network effects drive into, into this and they create kind of the person who sits on top of it, who controls over 70% of all value of the technology companies are created by a network effect, giving more value. But that more value is extracting wealth from society because of the printed money. If you don't have printed money, if you can't make up more money, the network effect that you're talking about constantly moves out further and further. In other words, it's a network effect for us. And every node makes it. Because what would happen in, in a free markup is if the number one thing was providing that much more value and getting paid that much more a billion competitors would try to compete. And those competitors would constantly drive the price down and they would attack industries with the highest margins. Try to attack Google today. Try to attack Microsoft today. Try to attack um, uh, Facebook today. Try to attack these today through the existing system of manipulated money. And there's no young entrepreneur that can go do that. In Bitcoin, the world is competing against that. And so, so these things constantly derive that, like, if you think about Noster or Bitcoin, the network effect is at the protocol level rather than the company level. Yes. But what, what the companies that are, that are winning out of the existing monetary system, that, it, that why they're winning is because they're at the company level on top of a protocol that's on top of a broken money protocol that is transferring that wealth to them. But having them having the network effect at the protocol level as money too and information ensures that that network effect moves in favor of us. But so that's part of it. That's a huge part of it in, in Bitcoin. So will all of these companies try to create the next app store? Absolutely. But you know what Fetty is doing. They're going to create essentially an open app store on top of Fetty and they're not going to have to charge anything for it. So as people move into this new world and they're able to do more and drive more value, and that, that will create a whole bunch of things we can't see today that will explode in favor of us, right? Prices will continue to drop. It'll get more and more innovative. More people will move there. Lots, new, uh, lots of new uh, ideas. But there will be no control structure to drive all of the uh, 30% take rate, let's say, like what, what Apple does. To run the app store, and that's what OpenAI would try to do too. But as, as well, it's moving so fast. The the industry is moving so fast that I I suspect what'll happen is right now OpenAI has has a lead in these models, but that lead will narrow. Like it won't get better at a rate that's it'll feel better, but you know what it does right now. That rate of how much better can it get than all human intelligence? Right. So it's some sort of rate limit. Mm-hmm. It stops getting better at that rate. It doesn't need to get better and better and better at, at that rate. And as, it's, as that slows, the open models are, are catching just as fast. Like you, you, you know, you use chat GPT for all. So 
tests your uh, the OpenAI models, ChatGPT four versus some of these uh, other models. So it's not a massive gap. So there is a gap. Like the ChatGPT four is better, but actually, if you go if you go to the new one that they just released, mm-hmm. plus it's or whatever it was, yeah, it's worse. Mm-hmm. It actually performs worse. It hallucinates more. It has a lower rating on performance. It's worse. And so as some of these LLMs get bigger is not necessarily better. And now, now, now think if you're consuming content and you're consuming more and more content, it is content that was created by you. And so like if the model is consuming more and more content that from other bots that were created by the bot. You actually have some areas where it is in engin- kind of that engineering to make sure to remove some of that noise would get hard, uh, exponentially harder. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. If you're looking for the right franchise concept at the right time, an iFlex Stretch Studio franchise is the business for you. iFlex is the newest franchise concept from the founders of the Joint Chiropractic. With over 200 licenses already awarded to our regional developers, there's never been a better time to own an iFlex franchise in your market. An iFlex Stretch Studio franchise offers its clients the best in professional-assisted stretching for one affordable price in one beautiful location. Even the Mayo Clinic says stretching can increase flexibility and improve your joint's range of motion, helping you move more freely. Prime regional developer opportunities and franchise locations are going fast. Don't miss this opportunity to get into this rapidly growing health and wellness business from the founders of The Joint Chiropractic. Find out more today. Call 888-994-3500. 539 or visit iflexpodcast.com. Call right now, 888-994-3539 or visit iflexpodcast.com. Kyle, you're connected with a ton of different investors and portfolio managers, and you're just really in the know on a lot of these things. How do you keep up with all the day-to-day headlines for your portfolio companies? Yeah, so I used to have a ton of issues with this, and that was until I started using Yahoo Finance. Really? What's so great about it? So Yahoo Finance is awesome. I have my whole portfolio entered and I can easily see all the top headlines to keep up with the recent news. And each day you get an overview of the major global events that might be moving the market. So I'm ready to easily pounce on any opportunities that come my way. What else can you do on Yahoo Finance's platform? They also have a number of cool features, including a tool that lets you link all of your investment accounts, analyst ratings, and independent research, as well as the ability to create customized charts. Well, now I know that the audience is really going to love this one. And I actually see they have 90 million monthly active users. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. As many of you know, I love studying businesses and networking with business owners. The more I've studied businesses, the more I've realized that starting and scaling your business is easier than ever because of companies like Shopify. Did you know that Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S.? Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. 
Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify even helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. What I personally love about Shopify is that it's the turnkey solution to kickstart and grow your business, and they are totally committed to giving you the necessary tools to succeed as a business owner. Plus, they have an award-winning customer support team there to help you every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash WSB. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash WSB now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash WSB. All right. Back to the show. To kind of piggyback on this idea, like if I was going to try to argue the the point with you, Jeff, um, and correct me if anything that I'm saying here isn't accurate, if, if your understanding of it is different. But one of the things that I was really fascinated by with all of this is just that a lot of this is just compression. So you're feeding it all these ones and zeros and through these GPUs. And what pops out as a model is a compression model, just like if you were going to take a file and you were going to compress a file and it used to be 50 megabytes and now it's five megabytes. The way that uh, that algorithm compresses it is it's looking at patterns in the ones and zeros and it's turning it into less data. It's saying, okay, when there's five ones in a row, then it just becomes five one instead of the five characters of one, 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 one. These models are just that. They're compression models. Only it is figuring out through the transmission or for, through this transistor that was discovered. Uh, most of this dates back to a, a really famous article that was written by some Google engineers called Focus is All You Need. And it really lays out how these machines can go about compressing all the ones and zeros and, and data that it's being fed into a much more efficient way. One of the things that I found interesting is they said that they took a WAV file, which everybody knows is, is a higher form, like way more data intensive than an MP3 file for audio. And they took the WAV file and ran it through one of these AI models. And what they got was something that was way better compressed than the MP3 compression uh, mechanism. And so the idea of that is insane because it was never it was never optimized or trained for compressing music files, but it can do it just because that's what this, these models, these intelligence models do is they compress data. I've heard, and there's a point I think to all of this, I've heard that the GPT-4 model is compressed to just 200 gig uh, approximately, yeah. which Jeff, that's in, to be able to take a file that's 200 gig and I can ask it some obscure legal question and it can pass bar exams better than 95% of people, or I can ask it some type of medical, some obscure medical thing, and it pops out an answer that's right. And the file that's doing this is, is only 200 gig, which could be stored on pretty much any computer or even smartphone today is bananas. That's like, it doesn't even like, I can't even comprehend how that's possible. No, no. So, so that's, that's why. And, and it's ex- so I'd recommend anybody who's listening to this, go download chat GPT for all for, is it GPT for all GPT for all to your computer? And you can, you can uh, download a whole bunch of models, a whole bunch of various models to your computer. And it means if you never had internet access again, you have the world's knowledge of the information of the world, history of the world on your computer. 
and you, and and so it, that's kind of what I'm getting at. This these things. Why I keep coming back to over and over and over again is prices fall to the marginal cost of production, no matter what. That's why. So these things move as as, as this innovation comes up, they drop, they drop, 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 and it gets it propagates everywhere. And you can rest assured that if we can do it here, that you've just opened up to innovation to billions of people all over the world that now can participate in that innovation and they will find a way. And there's nothing you're going to do to stop them from, from finding a way. And these yeah. things will proliferate more and they'll become, and, and people go to the best one for, for a while. So there'll be a, they're constantly for the best people. There is pricing mechanism for the best, but really quickly that will narrow. It won't be as good anymore, or it'll narrow into the best in certain domains for a while, which will then narrow and everything else. So even when you go to, if you think about, because right now people are talking about AGI and we have AGI today. We don't have AGI today. We will get there. When you extensively talked about this in the book, but it almost doesn't matter because in narrow AI, how we're paid for our jobs is arguably more important Mm -hmm. than broad. And in, in narrow AI, this is tackling domain after domain after domain after domain, and it's better than us in, mo- in many, many domains already. I've got a story to tell you on the narrow AI. So I recently went to uh, like a robotics thing that was happening in my local area, and there was a guy that had a some type of like robotic arm with like a pencil on it, and he had a these Where's Waldo sheets that he would put down. He he would. He had he gave me one, he gave the robot one, and then he flipped them over and he said, All right, let's see who can find Waldo faster. And, and I'm there looking around, and the robotic arm with the pencil on it, like immediately, as soon as he flipped it over, just went straight and pointed at Waldo. And he said, That's pretty fast. Why can't you beat it? And and I'm not saying this response to and maybe the response wasn't even intelligent, but I thought it was smart. I said, well, I've got you know over 40 years of uh environmental conditioning that has made my my model like way slower than the, probably the the fifty uh, sheets of paper that you trained it on, and it's dealing. It's taking longer to process all of that, right? He says, "Oh, that yeah, that's that's really good. Like obviously you've you've read up on some of this stuff a little bit." I was like, "Well, yeah, just a little bit, but like the the takeaway for people not to tell you a story of of that, but the takeaway is is narrow AI. If that robot is trained on just pictures of finding Waldo and nothing else. And it was trained on it and, and that's its expertise. Focuses is what, what you need going back to the, uh, the Google paper. That is going to always outperform some other general AI or something that's trained to be able to answer medical questions, right? Like it, you, there's no way you're going to compete on time and speed and efficiency and, and all these other things that make you win, right? Or to create market value. So I just I bring it up because I, I I think it's just an easy way for people to visualize why there is always going to be a need for narrow AI, why there's always going to be a, a need for people to create narrow AIs to accomplish tasks that general AI is always going to be worse at or slower at and dealing with way more training and just information that it can't compress to a much smaller, more efficient file. And the question is, the only, the only thing I would disagree on that is always, eventually the, the AGIs will be able to compete on everything. 
because so, they'll be referencing individual files because, because, because the, the compute is growing and the rate of compute is oh, growing. It'll be meaningless. So the difference will be, will be mean, oh. the difference will be meaningless. So it'll be able to merge these things and it'll be able to see other things that the narrow can't see and then infer from those other things. Oh, here, here's how to change that. So you're talking into like time timeline, what you're talking about there is probably 2030 plus. Right, Jeff, yeah, pro- pro- probably. But this is why. This is why. In, remember, in my, we and I have talked about this a lot of times. But, uh, but but in my book, I wrote about kind of that exponential rate and the paper folding and what was what was happening. People have to remember that it, that AI has been has the same exact rate of growth for seventy years. Same rate of growth. It's that's why I use the paper folding uh, analogy because on fold one, on fold two. You can't see the rate of growth. It mm. feels like we'll get disappointed and nothing's happening. The researchers still think, oh, it's going to be. And then, the, and then that created the first AI winter and then the second AI winter. And that rate of growth, it's just an exponential function. And now we're, we're on fold 30, we're fold 35 going from, and just if people haven't heard that before, about 50 folds of a piece of paper goes to the sun. And so on the first folds, you don't see anything. But now we're on the, the deeper folds. We're on the thicker folds. So fold 35, essentially in a year and a half, you've doubled all the previous history. <laughs> and then fold 36 doubles it again. Almost it's hard to comprehend how big these steps are now. And so it feels like when people are wondering, even right now, when people are talking, most of the talk we're doing right now is talking about right now in AI. Right. Can't even imagine. Yeah. In other words, you're measuring your, and and this, which will blow people's brains on what we're talking about. We're not talking about in 18 months. We're not talking about that logarithmic, that that exponential trend on what changes in 18 months. We're, 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 we're right now looking almost backwards. What will this look like? And it's so, because it breaks your brain so badly. You have to think exponentially. You have to think exponentially to be in front of it because otherwise you're going to get wiped out by it. You won't be able to, to be able to put together everything that's coming and how fast it's coming into a, a system that you've always lived in. The world's moving too fast. So uh, there's, if you go online to YouTube and you watch any AI stuff, almost always the conversation is about, is the world going to be this dystopian nightmare? Is, are we going to be pets to the AIs like a lapdog is to a human? We've talked about this a few times. I'm curious if you'd be willing to kind of share your opinion on, on what your thoughts are as far as like what this means for humanity moving forward. And we're specifically, uh, Preston, like we've go, we've taken this rabbit hole everywhere. Yeah. Right, so, well, I guess you are you are you viewing this from the dark dystopian uh, outcome? No, I, I I think the the way forward through this transition is going to be depending which system you're measuring by is going to be chaotic, like like no time in history. I think everybody thinks that their time in history was the time in history that mattered most. I say that with, uh, I say, we actually mean it. (laughs) Exactly. I say that with a certain reservation that, uh, but we've never had, we've had never had machines that could do that, that could do what we're talking about right now. We've never, the singularity that we're talking about 
is the is also the merge to 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 Bitcoin. And what what's scaring most people is they can't see themselves in a future that from the system that they're in how fast this is moving and they don't even understand how fast it's moving. Yes. They can see themselves and what they would do in a new system. They're so there's and they're so petrified that they're they're actually yelling and they're marching against people and they're spending all of their time in this system that's stealing their designed to steal their life force and their life energy and concentrate it up. That's what's happening in society today. I see a very prosperous world. I see a, a world where where prices continue to fall and you can do do uh, do more and more on an ever increasing uh, basis, but it'll be moving to Bitcoin. And the fight against Bitcoin in that, if you just think about how much control is in the existing system that you're giving it more control. When people go and buy, okay, I'm going to go buy some rental Airbnbs. I'm going to I'm going to create a whole bunch more wealth for myself in the existing system. When I go buy Apple stock, when I go and I need to put my money in that, what they're really doing is reinforcing the old the existing system. system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> To try to lose money less fast. That's what they're trying. That's what they're doing. And Bitcoin is taking all of that energy because it's repricing everything. But they think they're winning a system that doesn't have negative externalities. The negative externality is they're giving away their freedom the entire time and AI will be used to control them. And so imagine how many people right now, the people that are going to be listening to this podcast, imagine how many people that actually are doing that mm-hmm. and spending most of their time giving the system that is that they know that they know for sure prices fall to the marginal cost of production and we have exponentially increasing productivity. So they know full well and they think they're going to, they're escaping something by trying to make more money in the short term within that same thing they're trying to escape. But most people will stay there. Most people will, will spend their time there. And what's happening, and that's why it's going to be chaotic. It doesn't have to be chaotic because if all of those people listened to your podcast and moved just their attention over to the new system tomorrow, this would emerge way way uh, way faster, and it would it wouldn't be as chaotic on the way through. But most of those people are going to elect leaders that they think are better for them under the same system. Most of those people are going to polarize themselves against those other people that are creating the problem in that same system because human besides everything that we're talking about we're talking about something that imposes new rules it doesn't impose new rules on human nature human nature is going to consistently try to to react in the inside the existing system and make it stronger well well this imposes new rules so the faster people move realize what we're saying and kind of if technology is if technology is deflationary you know, I said this on one of your other podcasts. I could have stopped the book there. Deal with it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the only thing that deals with that, the only thing that deals with it, you can just say any time, not even, not even inflation, even if, you, if, if the natural rate of deflation was 5% a year and you, you had negative 1% deflation or 0%, it still means the government is stealing or, or, or you're transferring 5% a year <laughs> unnaturally. You're stealing that productivity from uh, the population. So I don't understand how people could concurrently 
agree with technology is deflationary and we live in a free market. And then what, what would look, what would the world look like in that system? And, and you, again, I've said this millions of times too, but we have regulation in a system, regulation to protect your money in a system designed to steal your money. And then people are, are throwing stones at different sides of that regulation without realizing the primary thing yeah. is you have regulation in a system to protect you from steal from somebody who's stealing your money. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you have, uh, I know we're past our time here, but do you uh, have time to talk about the FinCEN uh, situation? Yeah, I, I, would, I would love to, because this is, this is completely connected. Yeah. It has to be connected. All of these things are connected. So real general overview for folks. So uh, Senator Warren came out with this letter to the White House, to the president, addressed to the president, talking about mixing services and how she thought that Hamas was funded $120 million through uh, you know crypto and mixing. And she uh, had this Wall Street Journal article that she was wielding around that talked about how you know that was the number and those were the facts. The next day, FinCEN comes out with a proposal that uh, leverages the, the Patriot Act to put this broad sweeping rules and laws in place for uh, mixing services, running nodes, how uh, anybody that's doing these types of activities are basically uh, conducting financial crimes. And anyway, so like that's the kind of the background on all of this. The fact that the FinCEN thing rolled out a day after Senator Warren's letter uh, to the White House seems like it was very coordinated. But Jeff, how is it all related to what we've been talking about? Why is it important for people to even care? Because we just got done talking about how if you save in Bitcoin, you're basically not voting for the, the old legacy system and it, and it shouldn't matter. Why should a person be interested in this proposal and why is it important? Yeah, so I'm going to read something that I posted on, on, on Noster um, because I know a lot of your audience isn't there. And so because it talks about this. And so it said Elon Musk started PayPal. And as a result of that and his first principles thinking, it is highly likely, likely that he perfectly understands money. Similar how, to how it's highly likely Elizabeth Warren perfectly understands money. They're sitting at the top of money. Fiat money. He, fiat money. He must, so I put, he must also understand that the natural state of a free market is deflationary. Because he's a technology leader. Yeah, right? no doubt. He would, that's, what he, that's what he's creating. If both these are true... Then he also must know, as one of the top AI and robotics companies, that he's, he is stealing the productivity gains that should flow to society in the form of lower prices by pretending he is solving planetary issues through a broken system that actually makes them worse. He must know that. By the way, Elizabeth Warren must not know that. Must. If she, if she, know, if she knows that. In other words, Elon is not advocating for Bitcoin because he's stupid. It's because he believes you are. And you could say the same thing for Elizabeth Warren. That is why she is advocating for a system that steals money from the very people she says she's advocating for and making the problem worse. And what will happen with FinCEN, and, and this is a really dangerous, we got, uh, you and I got off calls with lawyers this morning on this, on how dangerous uh, uh, this is. The uh, U.S. can enact, or if after comment period, they can enact this. And what, what that will do is entrepreneurs will, the free market will emerge everywhere 
and entrepreneurs will move their businesses elsewhere to be able to deal with the free market. Uh, And the government will do this under the Patriot Act or some other erosion of individual rights and freedoms granted by to the U.S. through the Constitution. That is that has been ongoing eroding those individual rights and freedoms to protect you from the same thing that is imposing the pain on you. And most people will fall up, fall for that trap, and they won't they won't realize what's happening. That slow moving erosion of their individual rights and freedoms will happen in many many places, and it'll provide an opportunity for other countries moving the other way, like El Salvador is doing to be able to take advantage of people wanting to live in a free market. And then the free market will grow faster because you're not going to, you're not going to out China by being more authoritarian than China. So if you want to live in that world where, where, where that's hap- ha- happening, then you should continue to down this path and you should continue to advocate for people. Everything in that system ends there. There's no way to stop it because the, the because there is no free market in a market that must be manipulated through money. It's just it's who, who gets to win in it. And that's the control function. I can't believe people can't see it. I can't believe people are yeah. yelling both sides of these aisles. And there's no there, believing one person's a hero and one person's a victim. Like look at, look at even Elizabeth Warren and Elon Musk through that lens. How many people hero worship him when he must know? I'm trying to say something very different than he's a great entrepreneur because he is a great entrepreneur. He's a great, he's created a whole bunch of really great uh, products. I, I, I can, I can equally respect that. But if you're using, if what we're saying is true and he knows it, then you're saying he's using a narrative to gain more control. And why is Elizabeth Warren any different? She's doing the exact same thing. So this is really, this is really important that people stand up for this. But it's more important than than if you think a government can stop you from this, and that's why you're not moving or not moving into Bitcoin. Think about what you're saying. I'm going to stay into the burning building (laughs) as AI moves faster and faster and you use to control me because I believe that somebody else has these rights over me. Well, a person's person's effectively saying, I think I'm helpless. I I think that there's no way I can can solve this problem. So I'm just going to burn in the building. Yeah. And so I have empathy for those people because they just don't know. What ends, up, what ends up happening is they're living in such a perpetual state of fear that they will believe something from this state that alienates or divides people to be able to get more, give more control. They'll believe it all day long. Um, in fact, he, he wrote a whole chapter on this in the book, right? Us versus them, because you could see that, that would, that's where this would go based on a control structure that was stealing money. If people are hearing that, and uh, for for me, it's just, I don't want to vote with my feet, but I will if I'm pressed up against the wall, right? So like, I want to try to do everything I can to try to have the most favorable outcome to have these types of businesses in my country and for my country to basically lead the charge with respect to Bitcoin and Bitcoin businesses. So like, that's why I'm responding to this FinCEN in the way that I have Jeff and I and some others are working on trying to publish something that lays out where all of their rights are being violated in this proposal. We have till, I think it's January 22nd to reply to the public registrar on this particular proposal. So we're going to try to pump out some document for people to look at that they can pull the research and the work that we're doing to provide a comment. 
it is insanely easy to add comments to the registrar. And my understanding is that FinCEN has to respond or address all the comments in the registrar that's there. So take action, like get out there. It it may have no impact at all. I don't know. But at least it's some type of attempt to allow this technology and this, this freedom of choice of money to be in your domain, right? Like it's better to try to ensure that it's successful than to just give up and say, oh, there's no way. I'm just screwed, right? Like I just can't stand that mindset. So that's why we're talking about it. That's why we think it's important. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be successful, but at least we can kind of raise our hand and say, hey, we tried. And as if it gets bad enough, well, sure as hell, I will vote with my feet. You better, you better bank on that. So yeah, and there's a there's a bunch of paths there too, because a lot of people will vote for their feet and they'll vote for free markets. But but again, from our lawyers this morning, this will go through a number of things. Even if the order comes in, yeah, it becomes law, it will be challenged in court. Yep all the way up to the Supreme Court, and it'll be challenged on a whole bunch of different merits uh, all the way up to the Constitution. So this is going to play out for a long time. And when we said it's going to be messy and chaotic all the way through, here's the more important thing you can do. That's, a, that's important. Comment. Make sure you comment. Make sure you're part of, part of this. Make sure you're driving for it. But more important, advance people onto this network as fast as you can. It tell, it let, them, let them know why. Because as the free market emerges here, there is going to be no choice because, because try to find people on the, like it's just, even if every government in the world locked down on this and said, we're not doing this, an underground economy would explode. It actually might move faster, but it's going to be important for, it's going to be important for the people that you care about to understand why that's so important to self-custody move into into this and start because you're going to have you're going to have circular economies building on this that are untouched by all of that's going on in the existing financial system. All right, Jeff, this was fascinating. I just can't even imagine what this looks like in even three or five years from now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I, I really I, I just truly can't. You know, that's one of the things that amazes me about Ray Kurzweil is just how he, it's almost like he naturally thinks in exponentials and he's been so right <laughs> through the years on some of the stuff that he's called. And I just look at this technology and it's so exponential and it's so difficult to even imagine where we're going, but boy, it's an exciting journey. There's going to be a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but hopefully conversations like this is helping people kind of, uh, oh, geez, I'm knocking over my, it's so bumpy here. I'm knocking over my mic. But hopefully some of the stuff we're talking about is helping people kind of prepare and think about what's coming next. So appreciate uh, by the way, I got one quick one for you. Yeah. You would want to read The Maniac. It's a mm. story about John von, von Neumann. You want somebody who is prescient in all of this stuff. And uh, and uh, I wrote a little bit about him, but <laughs> just uh, worth a read. I mean, really fascinating read. Jeff, give people a handoff where they can learn more about you. Probably best is uh, my website, jeffbooth.ca or on Noster. Okay. Awesome. Or, or, or more important, maybe why, why don't you tell them what, you, what you're doing in our new fund? Yeah. So uh, Ego Death Capital, people can check that out. I'm going to be coming on as a GP on the second uh, fund that they're getting ready to roll out. So I was, part, I was an advisor on the first one and very honored to be included in that, Jeff. So it's, uh, I, I'm having the time of my life there, and uh, I can't believe I get to work with you and Lynn and Nico and Andy, and it's just been it's just been awesome. It's been a blast.
Awesome. Well, thanks for making time and coming on the show. The very interesting topic. So uh, thank you uh, for making time, Jeff. Thanks. If you guys enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. Just search for We Study Billionaires. The Bitcoin-specific shows come out every Wednesday, and I'd love to have you as a regular listener. If you enjoyed the show or you learned something new or you found it valuable, if you can leave a review, we would really appreciate that. And it's something that helps others find the interview in the search algorithm. So anything you can do to help out with a review, we would just greatly appreciate. And with that, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.